Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And as I do every time I get on one of these podcasts, I thank my listeners because without you from around the world listening to the words of wisdom from our authors, I wouldn't have a podcast show. So I thank you all. And today, joining me from Florida is Scott Edinger. And Scott Edinger wrote a book with Lori Sane called The Hidden Leader, Discover and Develop Greatness Within Your Company. Um, Great book. And for all my people out there that are working in organizations, this conversation and dialogue this morning is going to be great. Good day to you, Scott. How are you doing? Terrific. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to talk with you and uh, share some of the ideas from The Hidden Leader with your listeners. Good, good. And uh, Scott, I'm going to let them know a little bit about you. Scott Edinger is the founder of the Edinger Consulting Group, and he blogs for Harvard Business Review and Forbes and is the co-author of The Inspiring Leader. He's a recognized expert in helping organizations achieve measurable business results. And prior to starting his consulting firm, Scott served as executive vice president for the leadership consultancy Zinger Folkman and as a senior vice president for sales for, how do you say that? Haith? Haithwaite? Huthwaite. Huthwaite. And he lives yes. in Tampa, Florida, which is a great place to live and great weather. So, Scott, we're going to get right into it because your book has a lot of content. And you state that the hidden leaders are not invisible to people around them. Um, and when we're talking about hidden leaders, we're talking about these people that are inside companies that are, I wouldn't call them even aspiring leader. There's leaders, but they're kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they're in the backgrounds. We've, we really haven't tagged them all yet. What characteristics uh, do hidden leaders have that you've identified that, you know, more people should understand? Well, I think one of the most important uh, elements of this idea of being a hidden leader, um, and whether that is an individual contributor or a frontline supervisor, even a mid-manager, someone who's not in one of those, call them, traditional leadership roles or having the title or the authority in the organization where they are naturally looked to as a leader. Uh, But these are the folks in an organization who truly do act like they are owners of the business, and they're very outcome-focused. So many folks get bogged down. Uh, I'm sure those of you who are listening have been around people who get bogged down by processes or systems or procedures uh, instead of focusing on what is the outcome or the result that we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're process. I'm not saying that they're process rebels, uh, or or you know trying to go around things, but rather they're really effective at thinking through the outcomes or the desired end results, because that's how owners of the business think. Right, uh, and, and that and is one of the one of the hallmarks. Well, and they're truly entrepreneurish in the way in which they work, and these are the kind of people you want to have in your company because they. They test everything. They're the kind of people that bring up new ideas and are looking to change things for the better for your company. And you state that the end result of fulfilling the value promise, you know, that is the end result of a hidden leader. What is the value promise and how do hidden leaders fulfill this promise? Well, most senior executives I talk with are frustrated about the the fact that they have a hard time bringing all of the capabilities of their business uh, to the benefit of clients. So most organizations promise or offer that they deliver some kind of value. And if you hear them talk about this, it's usually pretty grandiose. 
Um, and in most cases, I think if we're honest about the successes of business as well as their failures, it's rare that a company really uh, does a great job of bringing all of their capabilities to bear for a customer and really bringing that value to life for a business. Where that happens, you can usually find hidden leaders because they're really good at understanding what clients are trying to accomplish, how they're using a combination of products and services, what they're trying to accomplish with it, and then they're good at dovetailing the company's products and services in a way that helps to meet those needs. That doesn't happen in boardrooms. That happens at the front lines and at the people who are supervising the front lines. It's conceived in the boardrooms. It has to happen there. But when you see it translated into actions and really focusing on customer outcomes and what the customer is trying to accomplish, that's the idea of bringing that value promise to life. Well, one of the things I think is these characteristics, you say that hidden leaders clearly display four facets in their behavior um, that result in positive outcomes for this for the company. Tell us what those are and what it is that, you know, you know, there's a lot of hidden leaders in companies that aren't being identified, you know, and kind of how to identify that. Yeah, so we, we've talked about two of them actually already, which is this focus on results and this focus on outcomes, as uh -huh. well as alluding to it with uh, the value promise and the way that they bring that to life by understanding what customers are trying to accomplish. The two others are being able to uh, enable integrity, and I'll, I'll talk with you about that one a little bit more, uh, and the ability to lead through results, or excuse me, lead through relationships. Now, when we hear integrity, uh, there's a natural connection to honesty and character uh, and and uh, all the things that go around with the sort of moral judgments around integrity. But we dug a little deeper into this, and one of the things we really wanted to draw out was that integrity, while it's very obviously displayed in those big moral dilemmas or the choices between right and wrong, we don't encounter that often. We certainly don't encounter it uh, on the frequency in everyday interactions. But what we do from perspective of integrity is visible in a lot of different ways. I'll give you an example. I've never had anybody tell me, you know, my integrity is kind of low. I can't really be counted on or trusted. Never had anybody say that to me. But when I ask them, you know, so do you meet all of your commitments on time? Are you uh, able to, to keep uh, the commitments on your calendar, or do you frequently reschedule things at the last minute? Uh, when you're asked about a particular situation in the workplace, are you honest about your perspective and your point of view, or do you shade it based on what you want people to hear? Uh, are you holding true to you know, what you really believe about something? And further demonstrating the integrity, uh, when you see something happening in the organization, do you share your perspective in a candid way with management about the issues in a way to help the company get better, or do you just sort of shine it on and go about your work? Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, integrity is a lot more than not lying, not cheating, and not stealing. So they're able to demonstrate integrity. That's one of the other ones that I talk about a lot in the book. Right, you do. Yes, and it's great. Now, you, you also state that um, when one of these characteristics is missing, it's like having a lopsided stool. Um, right. And, and you, you have these, well, what I'm going to say, those four characteristics. Um, mm -hmm. How do we make sure that or understand, I know you've got these QR barcodes in the books and you've got these charts 
and you've got questions for people to ask. Um, is there is that the best way for people to really truly identify that these people that we've looked at, we think they have all the qualities we need as, as this hidden leader? I think that, um, you know, and as much as we provide assessments and tools uh, to promote and help this sort of thing within the book, and as you noted, they're available through a smartphone uh, using the QR codes, uh, the best tool that anybody has in identifying these characteristics are observed behaviors. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you observe people doing? Don't make inferences about their rationale or their motive or why they might be doing something, but what is it that you see? What are the things that they do that they demonstrate that make you think, oh, okay, I can count on that person. Uh, I can trust that they're going to do what they said they would do. Or, um, you know, this person is able to help us to get work done across the organization, not just in their individual silo. So the ability to focus on the observed behaviors, which surprisingly a lot of people fail to do, is your best tool regardless of any instrument uh, for assessment that anybody could provide. So I think that's the best tool for any leader is to focus on without judgment and without filter, what's the observed behavior, what's happening here. So now you state that the, these hidden leaders who lead through relationships use interpersonal skills effectively. You know, you say they exercise a sense of curiosity, they value others, they believe in yeah. personal value in others, whether it's a coworker, a friend, or whoever it is. Now, observed behavior is one thing. I have a master's degree in psychology. How do you help people in a company actually not only identify that behavior, but even reward that behavior as something that you want yeah. to see more of within these leaders? Sure. Well, I think the notion of leading through relationships um, is important because these folks don't have positional power or authority. So they have to rely entirely on their influence or persuasion to come through the relationship. And when you hear relationship or interpersonal skills, I think in the workplace, it's very easily misunderstood too often as, oh, they're likable, or I enjoy spending time with them, or we have fun at happy hour. And that is not the kind of relationships we're talking about. This is about trusting business relationships, and their foundation is really on the credibility that that individual has because of their expertise in a specific discipline for the company or, or, or a specific role that they have. It's based on the fact that there's some kind of connection at an emotional level, uh, and I wrote about this for Harvard Business Review, not being emotional or wild displays of emotion, but connecting on something where there's a real passion to address something, uh, a deep concern about a problem, genuine excitement or enthusiasm about the work to be done. And if you can combine those two things, that credibility, uh, and the confidence that they can apply that credibility uh, with rational business decisions, and you add to that this emotional connection, that's the kind of relationship that people are looking for. And I would contend that the more of that in an organization, the better. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, because they are obviously able to see things that the other people, when I say other people, I'm saying other people in the organization aren't able to see, they also have a huge impact on the culture of an organization. They can kind of work their way in this organization, and I say frequently bring light where there's darkness, you know. Um, and, and you speak about the importance of critical thinking skills. I mean, I know I've 
had these discussions before, we kind of wonder where these critical thinking skills have gone. But you say yeah. that the hidden leaders have them. Where are these critical thinking skills, in, in your estimation, not only one so important, but so important to identify um, for um, people in companies who are trying to elevate these hidden leaders? Well, I think a lot of this comes into uh, why the critical thinking is so important is because innovation is unquestionably uh, the driver of business success, one of the key drivers of business success of the last 20 years, I could argue the last 100. Mm -hmm. And if you want innovation to thrive in your business, uh, then you need to really be able to foster uh, this applied creativity. Now, creativity for its own, state, its own sake is great, uh, but it's that critical thinking that allows people to apply creative ideas in the workplace. So that's how you see it manifest in an organization. When you have a culture where innovation begins to thrive, uh, then they're able to use their critical thinking skills, uh, and that shows up as their ability to apply creative options to your business in a rational way. Yeah, You get and that, and that's powerful. So much so. And you say rational leaders use critical interpersonal skills. Can you discuss some of the skills um, that, that, again, we would look for or that these individuals have? Um, you know, like I said, most of the time, they're the lights. These are the people that are bringing new ideas in. They're the ones that are driving initiatives. They're the ones that um, have a desire to not only just change, but to make things better. Yeah, I think uh, there's two in particular that come to mind. One is specific to conflict resolution. So you can tell these folks when they're resolving conflict because they're not looking for blame. They're looking for cause. And, you know, organizations are rife with conflict today. It's everywhere. But the people who resolve it well do not focus on making somebody else wrong, uh, but they focus on identifying what's the cause and how do we work together to address it, no matter how pissed off they are at the other person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, when you find that kind of person, that ability to resolve conflicts, um, and that, I would say that that goes regardless of level as well. So that's one of them. And then the second one, is that they're able to recognize the contribution of others. Now, I have been around a lot of businesses in the last 20-some-odd years, um, and I've rarely seen a great result achieved by a business because of one person. So hidden leaders are really good at recognizing the contributions of others and crediting them for that, um, whether that be an individual conversation or sharing it with a group they're able to identify what that individual did. And it's not just this kind of, hey, you know, keep up the good work, nice job, but recognizing what that person did to contribute to the success and why it was valuable. So those two things, that conflict resolution and looking for cause, not blame, as well as crediting others and looking for what they did and the outcome that it produced. Yeah, you, and you know, you would think, Scott, that these things are so simple, but the reality is, is that frequently they aren't, and sometimes, you know, we just have people in the organization that don't possess these kind of interpersonal skills. And you, you oh, also yeah. talk I, about... I, I, I was, I was going to say, I've often heard, uh, I can't know, I do not know who this is attributed to. I wish I could credit them, but I heard the phrase a long time ago, common sense does not mean common practice. <laughs> That's true. And I don't know who it's attributed to either, but it's definitely a very true statement. And one sure. of these things that you talk about is this relational culture. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 
How would you, you know, you're out there advising companies all day long. You're the one that's helping them to identify these leaders and helping to develop them. How do we develop, uh, if we've got a company, what you refer to as a relational culture? Well, um, you know, that is frankly a fancy way to say treat people as human beings. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be glib about that, but it's amazing to see how often people are treated in organizations and, frankly, treat each other as if they are tasks, projects, uh, outputs, things to be done, or even robots, for that matter, and not treating them as people. And, um, you know, when I say treating them as people, you know, as fellow members of the human race with some level of similar respect to the fact that uh, something might be difficult for somebody and to understand why that is the case. That's not to forgive performance problems, but to recognize that there's a human being at the other end of the feedback. Definitely. Um, to, be able, to be able to have interactions that recognize uh, that there's another person there, not just things to be done or tasks to be completed. And, uh, like, there's a lot that goes into that, obviously, but that's really what we meant. And I think that the idea of a relational culture, that is, people relate to one another as people, uh, is important. But really, at the end of the day, it's about treating people, ironically, as just that, people. It's And it's so simple, but sometimes so challenging. A lot of times, oh, yeah. I, I won't say this, I'm not going to just point to companies that are involved in technological innovation, but you have a mindset oftentimes of many engineers working together to develop software or develop a new product or whatever. They don't always have these communication skills. And so these are things that new de- do need to be developed. Now, obviously, sure. throughout the the news and in the news media, Scott, you know, there's so much talk about engagement. And I want to know mm-hmm. from you, your viewpoint is the characteristics that maintain individual engagement um, as it relates to these hidden leaders. Because engagement has been discussed for years. Gallup poll does a you know, poll on it. We see it come out. It's like, well, our engagement is so low in the United States. Um, speak with us about it and why these hidden leaders are good for engagement. Yeah, so I, I'd first say that um, for five years when I was working with Jack Zenger and Joe Folkman, we did a lot of employee engagement survey work. And one of the things I learned from sifting through you know, hundreds of thousands of respondents to these organizational surveys is that, uh, as the old saying goes, all politics is local. So you can't look at an organization and say, oh, you know, there's a high level of engagement in that organization. I mean, that may be a statistically correct fact. But if you drill in, engagement really happens in small clusters. Uh, And it's typically around people who are, number one, uh, excited about the work that they do. Now, I'm not talking about excited like they're at a, a football game for their, you know, the home team. But they are genuinely interested in the work that they are doing. They are feeling like they have a chance to use their talents in a way that makes them feel productive and like they are making a difference, and they're being recognized for that. Now, it sounds, again, so simple, right? But it's really hard to do on any kind of scale because it relies on a lot of good leadership from people who are in leadership positions. And what we tend to do is look for silver bullets and say, hey, we're going to implement this program across the company, or we're going to do this initiative, when the issue is really about individual leadership capability for those who are leading others. 
And if you can address that, which is not a silver bullet, but rather all about the kind of decisions that are made and the kind of behaviors that are tolerated in a business, that's what drives engagement. Well, I want to say that, you know, based on the QR barcodes and the assessments that you provide in the book, you have really packed this book solid with opportunities for people inside companies uh, to not only, one, learn how to identify these hidden leaders, but true, um, assess and elevate um, the people within organizations. Um, uh, This book, for my listeners, uh, there's uh, QR barcodes that you can scan to evaluate performance and measurement systems. Um, There's actually uh, many, many of these in the book uh, it's it's very well written and very well outlined. Scott, I want to thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth and taking a few minutes to impart your wisdom um, with our listeners. And again, we've been speaking with Scott Ettinger, and the book is The Hidden Leader, Discover and Develop Greatness Within Your Company. We'll put a link uh, to the book website. We'll put a link to Scott's website for Edergen Consulting. Um, if there's a Facebook page, we'll have that out there as well. Um, are there any other ways that you would like to have our listeners reach you, Scott? Any last words? You know, um, best way to reach me is probably through the website for my company, edingergroup.com. And uh, I would only say that if you take nothing away from this uh, short discussion about hidden leaders, that the idea of leadership is in no way connected to position or title or authority. It's about what people do. And uh, as John Quincy Adams said uh, 150 plus years ago, if you inspire others to do more, to dream more, uh, essentially to give their all uh, more than they would have without you, then you are a leader. Oh, great way to end this podcast. Fantastic statement. Well, Scott, thank you so much for um, taking this time to, to impart some wisdom Uh, with our listeners about the hidden leaders that may be lurking inside their company and helping them identify it. I'd recommend this book to all of my listeners um, who are out there that are in upper management, mid-management, and looking to assess uh, their leadership skills of the people with inside the company. It's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, spending a few minutes with us today. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you.